Hey, everybody. This is Diane. Oh, whatever. I totally messed it up. Let's pretend like we're starting again. Hey, everybody. I'm Diane Gibbs. This is another episode of Design Recharge. And Design Recharge is a live interactive podcast for designers who need to recharge their creative batteries and learn about the business design. It's recorded live every Wednesday. And so we're getting started. And today, after a little bit of technical difficulty, I have my good friend Brian Manley on. And he's awesome. I love his work. Ooh, I'm getting a little reverb. Do you have two windows open? Two windows? I have air conditioning you know. on. What? I have air conditioning on. Is that causing reverb? Okay, <laughs> I good. I mean, two tabs open. I do not have two tabs. Okay, great. Okay, then never mind. Um, it's probably just We me. could try the crazy blue mic, but that might just nope, throw this nope, thing out of whack. Nope, yeah. Nope. Right, we're going to just go like how it is. Good. Um, so this is Brian Manley. Um, I met him two years ago at Creative South and um, you kind of did a little um, emceeing this year a little bit and, but you gave a talk last year and it was all, it, it was title, I think, Follow Your Weird, right? Yes, yes. All right. So I always try to start the show off with a little bit of your background and I know you kind of have a different background. And, um, so give us a little bit of when, how old were you when you, fell in love with design or you, and it sounds like it was pretty early because I listened to your podcast with Jason Frost yeah. for Creative South. Yeah. Um, for me, it's weird. Uh, design thing was never, I never took art classes in high school. Uh, I was always the band geek. I always played music and like snare line and all that stuff, marching band. And I was in show choir. So there may so be you were some a drummer? Big, I was a drummer. Yep. I'm a drummer. And, and uh, so I did snare and all that stuff in marching band. Then I, uh, uh, like I said, did show choir, which uh, my mom this weekend decided, yeah, I did a little jazz bands. My mom this weekend decided to tell people at my daughter's birthday party that I was Linus in uh, Good Man Charlie Brown. And she was like, I'll bring the video next time. Like, we don't need to bring the video of me dancing with a blanket. I'm cool. So th that's kind of what happened. Um, but so I, 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 music and creativity are kind of always one and the same with me. And I always loved punk, punk and everything growing up. Uh, but I just went to college and got a degree in youth ministry because I was passionate about helping kids and hanging out because it was really important for me when I was younger. Um, but and you I, love Jesus. Yes. That was a big part of the deal, especially when you work with kids and get paid by a church. Uh, yeah. But then getting paid by a church is also part of the problem. But um, so what happened was I, I always was into stuff. I guess it never made sense to me as like a job or someone would pay you to do i don't know why i just always thought it was there um i just i don't i don't understand uh, what lenny's doing up here he's saying hi hi lenny uh it's very distracting i have add uh i know it's i he says you need to on the stage next year next dancing year. with the blanket i can do it we can make it happen demand i'm back so sweet uh but i remember in college like studying for youth ministry finals and stuff and i'd go to the library and instead of like working on what to work on i actually was reading like Communication Arts Magazine and How Magazine because it was just visually beautiful and I like studying that. But yet, because I'm dumb, I don't think at any point I realized, oh, this is maybe a career. This is a thing that people do. Uh, so I just kept doing uh, design. Or I just kept thinking about it and uh, being creative and all that. And then by the grace of God, my dad used to go to China and uh, as a business, traveling businessman and bring home like bootleg Game Boy games and bootleg software. And one of them was Photoshop. Like, gosh, it might have been like Photoshop 2 or something. But I would goof around with it, and I kind of had a working knowledge of how it worked. Um, 
And then, so when I got into ministry time, I would make flyers and do different things uh, for, for the church stuff. And that's just kind of where I kept doing it over and over and over and over again as time went on. <laughs> yeah, Johnny, the FBI, I think there's a still limitations, but my, my, my dad has to go to the, to the, the prison. I'll, I'll tell you where he lives. Okay, so so it started. You were doing stuff for the church, so yeah. perfectly, but you didn't know kind of what you were doing. So you probably started making Photoshop instead of maybe InDesign, but you have yeah. moved over, right? Yes, You're- yes. No, what if I told you I was just Photoshop only? But it looks like a ton of vector work. Same would that be? I've seen people oh. try to do that, which is kind of nuts. Um, but yeah, so I uh, when I was doing youth ministry in Southern California, I. You were at a big church. I was at a big church. It was a big church made of glass, so it's a little creepy and a little weird. Um, They were like a TV church. But uh, one thing that was interesting was uh, a buddy of mine ran a record label called Militia Group Records out there. And uh, the art art guy there, Brady and I, became good friends. And he was like, dude, you got skill and stuff. You should probably learn Illustrator. That would really be cool. Because I would sit behind and watch him design cool shirts and swag for bands. But then... um, pick up illustrator and it was just like it's not working like photoshop works and i'd get frustrated so finally one day just went to like lynda.com and spent like a couple straight weeks just kind of mastering the art of illustrator in that way um and learning like all the ins and outs of it and so then i started doing more illustrative stuff like um just and it became simple and doing vector graphic stuff okay so one thing um and i guess we should get back to the questions sure i guess we were sort of so you, then you started. So from the church, you actually moved from California to Atlanta. Yes. And you were going to get a, your first full time design position. Yeah. I After I left doing youth ministry, um, just kind of being frustrated and burnt out on it and kind of seeing behind the, the curtain, as it were. I uh, buddy of mine gave me some opportunities to do some design work at his studio in Orange County. And then a job opportunity came open here in Alpharetta at a company made. Uh, digital download cards. It was trying to be that gap between CD and digital download before the world was like, whoa, this download stuff's a little too weird for me. And uh, so they tried to make little download cards that uh, you could buy, you buy them at a concert. So instead of a band mass producing CDs, they'd produce these cards. And it was a successful business for, I think, a few months. And then eventually they ran out of money and capital and all that stuff and let everybody go. But the best part is you're an out of work designer. You just got to hustle and you can just, you can still work. It's not like you need $400,000 worth of equipment to do your job. So we talked about this last week a little bit with Emir and John and Matt. And um, sometimes it was kind of, you're forced into something or um, you're never really at that place. Oh, I just realized I need to unplug my real phone too. What's a real phone? Is that the thing that's connected to cables? Yeah. Okay. And it oh, and it has a cord. Uh, you can play with it. Sometimes. That looks like a prop out of the TV show The Office. I've never seen one in real life, though. It works too. But yeah. um, we talked about how you're always hustling. Like I think that that's a reality that people think. Oh well, once I get here, I won't have to hustle anymore. And sure. But really, I feel like you are a huge hustler, and you still are doing a ton of work. But you're still like. But you have good boundaries, I think. I try to. Yeah, the boundary thing really came from uh, my background in youth ministry, where when you're working at a church, they kind of expect you to work nonstop, or some of them do. Uh, they expect you to work nonstop with little pay, 
like working through the weekends and you don't get paid to take to a camp in the mountains for like four days. Like theoretically you work like 300 hours worth of work, but they're going to pay you for the straight 40. Um, and so, <laughs> but one thing I remember, it was like, you always need a break. You always need to like learn to shut it down and shut it off. Cause a leader of mine back in the day was very like, like religious about clock, you know, clock out when you clock out and you're done, or you need at least one day on the weekend to just like fill and like recharge. And having those early on was really good for me because I had a lot of friends of mine here in Georgia that, I, and I was again trying to learn as I went uh, how how to be a designer. And a lot of these guys were the people who would like start work around four and then crank it out till two or three in the morning. And I'm just like, no, nah, I want to sit around and watch TV or I want to hang out with my wife or I want to just like do something instead of working at two or three in the morning. Um, so I would always you know shut off the shut off the computer around five or six o'clock at night and then. Um, call it a day. And then now with having a daughter, I, as soon as I have to go pick her up, like I'm done. Like I don't care if any, any project's on fire for the most part, I'm done until I put her to bed after she's punched me in the face a few times. But, but you're not always going back to work. Like a lot of times you'll just do work again in the morning. Yeah. I'll pick it up in the morning. And that's the thing too. I'm wired in such a way that like, I like to get up real early and get at it. Uh, so if I'm at my desk at like six or seven, like that's pretty good. And I can get a jump on the emails from clients in California who email me over the night or whoever the case or whatever it may be, just, I can get a jump on it. So I can get more work done. Um, a ton of work done before half those people in like the music business or whatever are to work finally. Okay. So you've, I think just because of how come to design, you took risks and you had sure. to have a lot of faith to actually say, Hey, I'm going to make this work. And also you had to hustle. So, can you talk about some of those um, kind of risks that maybe you've taken that maybe have impacted you and that maybe somebody else could learn from and be like, hey, you know what? Maybe I need to kind of step out a little bit. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, how do I explain this? I just feel like when you've got when you got to pay bills and you have to hustle, you find ways to make things work. And the risks you take are just like I didn't do a whole lot of cold calling or like, hey, man, can you help me out? People always like luckily either kind to me or threw me a bone or felt bad for me and kept me busy in the early days. Um, but uh, as far as risk taking, I'm trying to think like really just going it alone, even when all my buddies were trying to pound the pavement and get like straight, like real in art studio jobs or art, jo like jobs in a, um, in a design space. Agency or yeah, something. Agency or whatever, like, cause we think about it. I have a, I have a resume that has nothing on it at this point. Like I'm as good as a kid straight out of school or if, what much worse because I have a degree in something completely non-related. Um, and people don't look at your book if you don't meet the qualifications and all that stuff. So I just was like, well, I can do this on my own and just go for it. And the big part of it too is my wife, I just kind of, I, I feel like I'm fairly stupid and I will look to her and go, do you think this is all a bad call? And if she's all in, I'm all in. So that's kind of how I treat it. And so so just having her in your team. So having so yeah. one thing I think you've done that's um, because you haven't had to cold call. You've made actually amazing relationships with yeah. people, and people actually really want to work with you because of just how awesome you are, just as a person. Sure, <coughs> sure, of course. But well, no, I, I mean that's. I'm just playing. Well, you have yes. to if you if you don't have really good skill, you got to be a nice guy. That's part of it. <laughs> but you do have really mad skills, so. But I think that, so you started with relationships and relationships yeah. has continued to be really important. But then it also really is important to know that you have to have that really good support kind of either 
have people that really believe in you and in your design work yeah. and that have a good eye, either if it's a teacher or another colleague or another design. And I think you've had that too, but then you also had really basis of your wife being yeah. there. Yeah. She, she really like locks me down in a lot of those ways as far as just being like, yeah, if you think it's cool, go for it. Like I remember one time we didn't have a ton of money early on after the, uh, my old job kind of fell apart. And, uh, I like photography a ton and I needed a new cat. I sold all my gear when we moved from California. It was just really out of date. And this builder in that was like, Hey, I need lots of photos for my website that you're building me right now. Um, I really need some beautiful photos. I'm like, and he's like, I'll pay you a ton of money. I'm like, wait, I can buy a camera. With so I was like, babe, can we go drop like two or three grand, whatever it was on a camera? And she's like, all right, let's do it. And of course though, that thing paid, it's paid itself back tenfold over time. Uh, it was just that initial like risk of like you have to make well the calculated risk. And she always says to me like if you think it's good or gonna be like you're gonna make some money at it, let's let's do it. It's gonna be fun. So somebody asked me today. I think uh, Jeremy and I were having a text conversation, and he was saying, "Well, how did you do this? You know, I give these like little sketchbooks out, and I don't know if that's a really good um, promo, you know, for sure. Design Recharge." Or but I want to give something. I want to give people something of value. So you know, what do you do? Um, I think no matter what, it's a sacrifice. So right yeah. now, what I sacrifice is time. I don't have. I mean, I have a husband and a dog and two cats mm -hmm. and some chickens. Um, but I'm not sacrificing um, a lot of extra money, but I also don't, we don't go out very much. We sure. live in the country. And so there's, you know, it's like 30 minutes to go eat dinner. So we usually just yeah. eat popcorn, yeah. um, which is probably cheaper too. Sure. But, um, but I think that, you know, making a sacrifice, it had to be a sacrifice to drop two or three thousand yeah. dollars saying, hey, we're going to we're going to do this. And I think I can make it up in a certain amount of time. Right. Because you had to have some you have to have a plan. It yeah. can't be like, I think I might, you know, you actually had a client that really wanted you to do it right then. Yeah. Right. No. Yeah. I, it's one of those deals where luckily for me, like I'm a big tech geek and I like nerdy stuff and um I like technology and it's, it's one of those things I use it to its advantage for, uh, for design and doing things with my business, but it's all over the place. And some of those, it's a big gamble, like go spend money on a camera or buy a video camera for a video shoot that may or may not work. But like, I, I love taking those challenges or buying a ton of years ago, I bought a ton of uh, Polaroid film for a project that was kind of like this may or may not work. And I bought it and the band loved the art. And so we went with it and that became the whole basis for the whole package. So, um, and that, and it was a major label record. So it paid very nicely. It was a good gamble. So, all right, let's, let's, so you've taken some risk financially, you've taken some risk by moving and doing something. Yeah. Um, so that's also a risk, but you've always kind of had that relationships as a kind of basis for yeah. all of that. Nice sky or whatever. So let's see what Lenny has to say. We've had plenty of discussions about your love or our love for heavy metal music. Or right, I'm sorry, not I added heavy. Just okay. metal. It could be heavy sorry. or metal. Have has your love of let's say Slayer ever caused conflict with your church or family dealings? Uh back when I worked with the church, uh I listened to stuff in my office with headphones on, never really I never had a problem with it. Luckily I think we came Every place I've ever lived or worked, uh, the church culture in that area was not so uptight. It's not like Footloose. It wasn't like they're trying to, you know, pitchforks going after people because the guy listened to Slayer. Um, but I remember, uh, I remember when Marilyn Manson came through Fort Wayne, Indiana, and 
going to college and the church community went berserk. I'm like, okay, that's one record I can't really tell people I own or was listening to. Um, fair, fairly enough, it wasn't very good as time has has stand but stood. But um, never had a problem with Slayer. Uh, the only beef I get from Slayer is uh, lately or any of those bands when I wear, I forget I'm wearing like a Slayer or a really a semi-offensive metal band shirt, and I just pop out of the office, go to pick up my daughter at school, and realize in the parking lot that I cannot wear this shirt in front of two-year-olds. Um, that's that's kind of a problem. Yeah. So that's good to know. Yeah. Um, you said something the other day, and I was trying to tell my friends at lunch. I was like, he said it was something. He said when he wanted, maybe this was me listening to your podcast. I kind of okay. feel like you're talking to me. So yeah. uh, that's how podcasts are. Um, so it was something like, I want my daughter to be able to go to these blank. And I can't remember like what you called those shows. Like, Hardcore shows? Punk shows? No. Boogers. Uh, mosh pit was that a word popularly? No, I know what that is. Okay. It was like you want her to feel comfortable at blank at like a going to. I can't remember. Mm, was that like oh, is it a club here in Atlanta called the Masquerade? That is no, I've been to that. You should feel scared every time you go to a hardcore punk show. That's part of the fun. Maybe, maybe you just I don't remember. Anyway, okay, I don't remember what it That's was. Fair. That's all good. It's not part of our questions today. So let's just keep going. So, okay. Um, one thing I love, so this also has to be with, uh, to me, um, you being resourceful. So I also think that's one of your superpowers is your resourcefulness. Yeah. Um, one, people, and two, with just using your, your talents, but also um, using what you have. And so me and you've had this conversation um, where you say, oh, I'm not an illustrator. And I'm like, oh, and then I say, oh, well, who designed this for you? Because you have it in your portfolio. And you're yeah. like, I did that. And I'm like, well, then you're an illustrator. Um, so the Austin Archer stuff, yeah. I think is I mean, and you do this a lot, actually. You take some uh, images and then you'll add some other elements or you'll sure. collage them together. Um, to me, um, I, it was just, it's simple but beautiful. And it was like, oh, it was just, I just love collage. And I really, Thanks. it's a, you have a really good um, talent with it. Like, I don't know if it just comes naturally, if you've always kind of just played with stuff or if that was just your visual, what you like to look at. Yeah, it's a little bit what I like to look at and what I think is just going to be juicy and fun and or engaging. Uh, but a lot of it comes from just, and I talked about this at Creative South a couple years ago, but let, let your weakness be your uniqueness. Like, I'm not good at drawing. And so in that weakness, you kind of have to find ways around it. You have to kind of find, like, how can I sort of make it look like I know what I'm doing, but I'm going to use the things I'm fair at, like leaning on perhaps photography or uh, early on, I was leaning on lots of found art, and I still do like tons of found stuff. And in finding ways to repurpose like really hacky clip art stuff or stuff that's like uh, it's just kind of out there in the in the common whatever Creative Commons, whatever you call it, and using that to kind of create stuff because that that way that's kind of, those are tools that I can work with as opposed to the tool of a pen or a stylus to draw something. Oh, it, oh, boogers! I was gonna boogers. put up the Alan Archer thing, but oh, Austin, is it coming? Austin, do you have a stuff? Austin Archer, yeah. whatever. Mm, no. Austin Archer, fun story. Young kid, hit me up. Uh, likes the work I'd done in the past. He, he was like, my gosh, eighteen, nineteen, or whatever at the time. I did that four or five years ago, and uh, did it. Love the way it turned out. The music was all right. It didn't do well. Then all of a sudden, the dude's a really killer tattoo artist here in Atlanta, and he's tattooed me before. So we're good buds now. 
and he lives oh, down the street awesome. for me. Yeah. So it's, and again, it's all about relationships. Like I didn't, I don't work with people just to go, thanks for your money and peace out. I try to be as cool and friendly with everyone as possible. Like maybe I feel, maybe I'm a little needy or maybe I'm just like, please love me. But I want to be buds. And like, I don't really care so much how you, how talented or killer you are. I, I use fun to hang out with. Um, the forefather guys, like I have some buddies here in Atlanta, like, dude, you met the forefather dudes. I'm like, <laughs> hung out with them, had beers and just chilled. And it wasn't like we sat around and be like, how tight do you kern this lettering? It's like, that, no one does that. Like, it's all about just how quality of people you are, as opposed to this killer portfolio work you're cranking out. Right. But um, I think it, it adds to it that you do have a killer portfolio. Like it, um, but it gives you that other level. And I think a lot of like the um, Archer, Austin Archer, yeah. I don't know why I want to call him something else anyway, but I really yeah. like that piece. And so Lenny said, I think we, it's something we forget. We look around and we need to repurpose something and yeah. it looks like it's like a map or something. Right. And I, I know I, I, I love to go junk and antiquing and I found uh, some old maps and something and some old books that we picked up for another yeah. project and I just cut them up and I tried to treat it like I just laid gels on top of it. And Austin had the weird ideas. Like, I want to see a hand reaching through the earth. I'm like, that's a silly, silly idea. I kept thinking of just like bad, like rap rock album covers. I'm like, folky dude, let's try this. And so that's kind of where we went that way. And it, it but to me, it's like you have some stuff that's really kind of um, heavier, deeper, kind of yeah. more somber. And then this is a lot lighter. Sure. But then you have some that are, it looks like uh, maybe appropriating some images of like, maybe from uh, Flickr Creative Commons or something, and then you're putting red lines on top of them yeah. with a big old heart drawing. Like, I love that one. Like, that Thank to you. me, it's it's so simple, but it has so much of an impact on a message. And so yeah. you're actually creating a piece of artwork to that, go along. That one is a cool, that one's for this band called The Used, who had a bunch of radio hits a few years ago. And um, those are cool honor to work with them because they're a band and they, they do well on the road. Um, and they wanted this super duper punk rock, like, Viva Independencia sort of thing and like screw the establishment vibe and uh, they kind of pitched an idea and they've always had this heart as one of their logo concepts and so um, I just went real punk with it and went real crazy and probably and I told the label I go I, I made them sign something that said I'm I these are a lot of these are mug shots from like just from celebrities who have been arrested and different people and press photos that you can find on Wikipedia I'm like some of this may be very illegal but um, you're taking responsibility for this. I'm not. If like someone comes after me years later, it comes after them. So, um, but yeah, I always like things to be important and have meaning because music to me and the artwork of music growing up was super meaningful. Like the the music was killer and the artwork had to match that vibe. Um, now it didn't always have to be super intense. Uh, but it doesn't always just have to be a crummy picture of the band like leaning on an old rusted truck. Like that's just not fun. Right. And conceptually, it usually the album has something kind of going on with it. And so that's one of the things I think is another one of your superpowers is you're very conceptual and you actually create these things that aren't just so flat. Yeah. To me. Cool. That's so, what I try. Yeah. Go ahead. So Abby has a question. Um, she saw them live, that band. You, I, oh, right on. I did some I, things for the record or for the live stage. stuff, merch, I think. Yeah. Okay. So she probably liked it. Maybe. Good. Um, 
Okay, so, and uh, Scotty said to tell you thank you for coming backstage right before he went on and pumping him up, but that's another one good thing that you are. Like, that's something you and I talked about. It's not one of your questions, so you don't have to talk mm -hmm. about it, but, like, I really do think you're a natural leader, and you're, you do really, um, could mentor people and motivate people, and so I also just, you're just really easy to do, and you're just super nice, oh, which thanks. does really help. I yeah, guess, so maybe some people aren't nice. Well, there's a lot of creative people that aren't nice, especially in the in in all fields. I, I nothing. Okay, here's a great story for you. When I was young, starting out as a designer, maybe in Atlanta, a couple of years, whatever it was, like the first year, the very first iPhone came out, and uh, mm. there was a line at an Apple store. It was one of those times we had to wait at an Apple store for like two hours to get the new iPhone. It was insanity. And I'm in line just talking to people because we're just bums with nothing better to do on a weekend. And we're just trying to buy a phone because we want to be, you know, cool, cool cultural mavens. And I'm standing next to this guy and he says, I'm like, hey, what do you do? He's like, I'm a graphic designer. I, I asked him and he said, he's a designer. I'm like, no way. That's what I'm sort of kind of doing. Again, I couldn't admit to myself that I still was. And I was starting to ask him questions like, where do you, what kind of stuff do you do? But or whatever he's, he's older than me and he just looks at me and goes hey man it's sunday i don't really want to talk about work wow and i was just like screw that guy and the other day i saw him at this restaurant that I did a bunch of branding for and for the opening like friends and family night he was there and i made that dude wait in line behind me to get a beer and just took forever asking questions to the bartender like i just want to be like dude you remember that one time three or four years ago you were a real jerk to me and um but i didn't because i'm too to confront him publicly, but that has always stuck with me. Like, I never want to be that dude who's like, Look, mm -hmm. I don't want to talk about it. I just, you know, it's the weekend, I don't do my thing. But you know what, it is to me, it's like those people have lost the passion for design, yeah. Because if you love design, you don't mind talking about it all the time or helping out, or and but I also think it's a mentality for you, um, as wanting to help your clients and you really get on board forefathers do that too. They really become a team sure. player with their, um, their clients. It sounds like you do the same thing, but you know, I really, I think that that's one of a uh, blessing. I'm kind of glad you didn't say that to him, but you know what? It just says, goes to show that when you're just starting out, those little bitty interactions you yeah. might have with somebody else, make a big deal to them sure. so sometimes it's just about being really nice to the people who are you know aren't as far in the game as you are yeah no doubt so um i know doesn't want to talk about design what a nerd exactly john did. Yeah, he That's acted like he just punched in and punched out but he was one of those dudes who's probably been doing it for 20 plus years so he was just like eh, it's just what i do and like you said the passion was the flame and the fire was gone which yeah, but I've been doing it for 20 years and it's not out of me. Like I love design. But you facilitate that. Like you work at it. You go to conferences, you read cool stuff, you push yourself. Uh, I think certain people go, this is my shop. This is my agency. I'm just going to sit back and like call myself a designer and collect the paycheck. But it's not fun. No. Should be a little I, bit I, of danger in it. And why do you, why do you like design? I know it's not one record. Why do I like design? What has pulled you in? I, really? It was, uh, I don't know. I, I always liked advertising and commercials and things like that. But when I, when I was kind of in high school and like music just hit me like a ton of bricks and that was my way out. That was my, mm. that was just my escape. And kind of, the, and again, my parents say I was kind of a, like a, just an emotional jerk in high school, but I, I don't think they quite knew how to deal with me, but B the, how I, I didn't know how I'd express myself and music was, was ways. 
And just the music and the packaging and everything was just so important and cohesive together. Um, and I just studied that design and those things just like got tattooed on my soul of just like, this is what cool stuff can be. Um, so that's what brought me to the dance. And that probably still keeps me there too, because uh, I still love working on it. I'll take, I'll take uh, hits on paid jobs just because I, I like the artist or I like the idea and I want to work with them and just be, and be buds and all that stuff. So that's part of uh, probably what brought me there. Cool. And keeps you there. And the technology of things too. Like I, my office is full of gear and tons of camera stuff. Cause I, let's see if I can do it. Tons of cameras back here. Oh yeah. And I love just old cameras and I love just the visual medium as just a way to communicate something. And so uh, that stuff kind of, um, I don't know. I just never want to lose that. And I, I always stay, try to stay relevant with that. And um, that keeps me there too. So Matt says it's the one of the um, subjects that he doesn't sound like an idiot when discussing. Um, I guess, I guess it's just, you know, it's, we all see something. So to me, if anybody ever said, I mean, did anybody ever ask you, like, if you had to lose like a, yeah. a sense, what would it be? And I'd be like, man, let's lose my hearing. Um, but maybe for you as a musician, you wouldn't want to. Yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. I think about that all the time. Point in time where I would tell everyone, even though I was uh, being paid to be a designer, I'm like, look, I'm a way better drummer than I am a designer. Uh, and then at some point that crossed over. I, I can hack my way through a song or two, but uh, I feel like a better artist now. But it's a tough one. For, I, I don't know. What, what would everyone here like to do? Would they I don't want to lose my hands, really, is yeah. my big thing. And I like couldn't see. You like to walk? Well, let's just let's focus on sight or hearing. That'd be a tough one. <laughs> like 50-50 toss. That's a rough that's a rough one. You like, see, like when I talk to people, like if I have a client somewhere else, I'm always like, hey, let's Skype. Yeah. Because I want to see them. Sure. And they're like, uh, can you just use the phone? And I'm like, sure. You yeah. can use the phone. But I I definitely feel like they can see that I'm intent and in, intense about their Sure. Or get to look at them. Yeah, it helps, but sometimes they just don't want to see you, or that you don't want to see them like driving in their car and being like, "That's a really nice car." Uh, yeah, that guy's that guy's rolling. Why is he paying me so little? Or the guy who's like, I, I, I have a client right now who just, you can tell he's multitasking like four things. I'm glad I'm not talking to you to see him being like just like crazy, frantically freaking out. But yeah, bro, it's cool, it's cool, whatever, bro. And you're like, all right. So I don't want yeah, to I mean, there are some beauties of being on the phone. You can do multiple things for sure. But yeah. all right. So um, a long time ago, Johnny had asked about um, Art Chantry and if he was an influence. Do you know who that is? See, if not, that's where I'm going to fail miserably. It's okay. So he, there are a bunch of people who are collage artists that just are. So Art Chantry is a designer oh, as well. But yes. I know that. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure I've looked at the stuff, but I've never been like, that dude is like the dude I think about. So, so that's okay. So yeah. do you know, Brian, when I was in grad school, like, I guess I just was kind of an idiot too in undergrad. And I mean, I studied. And so I was telling Brian, we talked a little bit about the imposters in when we were talking in our test. And um, I have my undergrad in graphic design. I have my, I practiced for five years and then I've still been practicing um, since 96 professionally. But, um, and then, I've gotten my MFA and now I teach graphic design, but there's still new things I learn every day yeah. and I still feel like an imposter. So 
for people who think you have to have some degree behind you until you stop feeling that way, you don't. And actually, I'm glad I don't because I think if I did feel like I was knowing what I everything, then I wouldn't be passionate about learning. But when I was in grad school, people would be like, hey, do you know blah, 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 designer? Yeah. And I'd be like, uh, I'd look around. Nobody else had their hand up. I'd be like, that'd be me. I don't yeah. know. Can you tell me? And they would they would tell us. And sure. and they were like, Diane, you were the only one that could, would raise your hand. I was like, because like, clearly I'm the stupidest one here in the room. And they were like, no, it's um because nobody else wanted to raise their hand. And so, but it's okay to say you don't know something. Sure. You know, but that's look. one of the things, but then you never know. I'll go down a crazy rabbit hole where all I'm going to do is study the artist or study what's going on. Like, uh, I don't know what it was. Just out of college, I was like, I want to try to figure jazz out. I just want to figure jazz out. Or maybe I was just married and uh, I just poured dove head deep into jazz and just studied jazz and jazz and jazz. Till one day a couple of years ago, again, just listened to it a ton. I remember listening to some random record. I'm like, is that Art Blakey on drums? That just sounds like Art Blakey playing drums. I'm like, whoa, I'm a superpower. I didn't realize I had that now. Uh, and yeah. that's the kind of stuff that's cool. I like studying that. And lately I've been doing that with like abstract expressionist artists and uh, going to the high museum, acting like I know what I'm looking at. Like you just rub your beard. Like, mm, this is really interesting. So yeah, that's fun. But I think you just have to go and you've got to just be out there. Oh, yeah. you've got your red solo cup. Yeah, it actually just has water in it. So it's not very fun. Right. Yeah. Sure. That's oh, it really does. My people are like, are you drinking Diet a Diet Dr. Pepper. Let me guess. Yeah, okay. there it is. I knew it. It's my favorite. Yeah. Um, it's my juice. Okay. So let's get back to the question. Sure. So, um, one thing I also think you do, and I think this helps you, I think, uh, be a good leader as well, is that you know yourself and you sure. know your strengths and your weaknesses and that you actually aren't afraid to say that you're weak in something. And so then you push yourself because a, a lot of times I think early designers like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like if somebody asked, well, how, where are you at Photoshop? Like I would hate for somebody to ask me that yeah. because I'm like, well, I don't really value that so much. It's more about thinking about the whatever it is. You know, it's just a tool to use to, for me is what I think. So um, have you ever had anybody ask you that? Like, well, uh, you know, where would you rate yourself? One, yeah. zero, I don't know anything about Photoshop, and 10, I know everything. I I, I never have thought, I, okay, I've thought about it. I've recently saw something a few months ago about people posting uh, either their resumes or other people's resumes, and it had their skills listed in some giant pie chart. And it was like, my understanding of Illustrator is 300% or whatever. And of course, like there'd be people that say they understood Photoshop like 100%. Like no one can understand that because there's some wizardry in there that could probably change the world, but we don't, we haven't found it yet. And uh, I don't know. So I, I, I feel like I'm quite proficient, but uh, back to realize where you're not killing it. Um, you find ways to uh, uh, work around that or... We live in, the, I, don't, I don't think I could be doing what I'm doing without the internet. If I had not, if I like the other day, I was like, I need to figure out because I got a client who wants to put a gold foil stamp on a record right now. And I was like, how do I emulate this in a mock-up that's going to convince them that looks real enough to, uh, to possibly, um, you know, for them to sign off on it. And I'm like, I could mimic it. And I could probably do it in like 15 minutes, try to figure out like, how do I would do this? I don't, this is not a muscle I stretch every day. Just went to Google and just saw a video. Bing bong. 15 seconds later. Oh, that's easy. Boom. Done. And as of this morning, the band signed off on it. So that's a win. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Which is rare. So yeah, it's, so I know what I'm doing, but I also know, I definitely know I don't know everything. There's a thing I remember doing ministry where it was like, it was a grid and it said like, 
conscious incompetence or incon I don't I don't remember what the grid was, but I remember being like I am consciously aware I do not understand everything, and that's where everyone should want to be. That jerk that I stood next to in the Apple line is like consciously unconsciously con I don't know I, I can't remember, but he's one of those quadrants because he's so cocky he's like I got to figure it out, but he doesn't realize he doesn't. Right, and. I don't know. And you just never realize your impact on people. Sure. Right? Yeah. So I know. We're not going to make it about that guy, though. Yeah. Let's look. We'll, but it makes a good story, though, and it makes you remember not to ever be that guy. Sure. Yeah. So I digress. It made an impact on you, for sure. So, um, all right. So what process, how do you, when you're working um, on uh, something with a band, so yeah. it, uh, and they want kind of an illustration that's needed. So how do you concept to try to get across what they're trying to get across or well, did that make sense? Yeah. It's like the greatest mystery of the world is trying to figure out what people really want. Like they'll say one thing, they'll mean another or the old, I don't know really what I want, but I'll know it when I see it, which means absolutely nothing. Yeah. Uh, and I had that recently with a project where it's a popular band I've worked with before and I will not name their name. I may or may not want to slash their tires next time they come through town. But, uh, <laughs> They recently were like, we, we want you to work on a record again, and uh, we want you to help us brand this record, but we don't know what we want. We have no idea what the pack, what we're going to call the record, but we just want it to be cool. And again, cool is such an abstract uh, idea. Uh, so I mocked up a ton of ideas, and every now and again, their manager would text me and say, they thought about this might be an album cover. It has something to do with like I'm being friends. or I, It was a bizarre little thing. And so I mocked up this idea of just like a, an abstract hand holding out some flowers or just like a, 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 fl a uh, hand holding flowers against a wall, bright flash, um, real crazy. And this is real modern, real fresh and cool. I was like, this is a home run. It's different than anything they've done before. Like this will help advance them a little bit, make them feel a little bit more modern. Um, and then they were just like, they didn't say they didn't like it. I just got the email from the next day from the label going, hey, the band decided to go in a different direction. Uh, some buddy of theirs took a photo and they just want to use the photo of the, that are, their buddy took. And I went berserk because I'd worked this band for multiple years, worked on a ton of projects. And I, instead of like writing a horrible email, I had to cool down for a day. But you start to then question yourself like, is like, I must be a hack. I clearly can't produce like cool stuff for them. I'm losing touch. This is where the wheels officially fall off the wagon. I'm done. Um, and around that time, as I started to cool down and the label people apologized, a, a client of mine named Chase Huglin, he's a young guy out of Fort Wayne, Indiana. He reached out to me. We've been talking for months about working on record packaging. And he said, yep, there, that's what we ended up landing on. So what he said to me was uh, his mother had just passed away, like right before we were going to wrap this packaging up. And he decided to scrap half the record and change it. And he had someone, he read this quote online that you deserve an island but I only gave you flowers. Mm -hmm. And it's about his mom. And I was just so struck by that. I had this photo in the can and of some other photos I had taken. And I was like, I mocked it up real quick and sent it to Chase as soon as I thought about it. And he was like, oh my gosh, this is so good. Chase is coming to me with a label with a small budget. He's got a small budget. Um, he was just at my house yesterday, which is really cool because we were approving final vinyl artwork. And uh, cool. he was just super grateful and we were having so much fun. Uh, but I felt so much redemption in the fact that I got to give what I thought was a cool like, cool concept, cool idea to a guy who really deserves it as opposed to these scumbag band guys who are just like, we'll see cool when we see it. Bleh. And 
that is that has been a really fun story lately where I feel like we redeemed things by uh, just the way it played out, just the way it worked itself out. But still, you get it still hurts when somebody's like, hey, you know, you you worked on something and oh, yeah. They just don't get it. But really, it was about miscommunication from the very beginning. Yeah, and- no. And the label apologized profusely, which is great, but that doesn't pay my bills. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't fill my whiskey cup. But it was one of those deals where the I've been working with the label forever and was just like, we're cool. The band, on the other hand, I did that thing. Uh, I, I literally did this thing like when you break up with a girl or you break up with someone and you're just like, you go to the social media, you unfollow them from everything you follow them. And you, you just like block them on everything. I don't want to see what your next record is going to be. I want to be a part of it. And uh, I kind of did that. But now I feel like I've worked out my aggression. And here we are. And I feel better. So I love daisies. So why did you use daisies? Can I tell you that? Here's the story. Uh, I had the idea for the other band. I almost said their name. I had the idea for the other band. And I just, I ne- they needed to see a mock-up quick because they're about to go on tour. And. Uh, I ran to my public supermarket and just went to the cheapest, like corniest, like most flowery, basic flower section I could find, grabbed three handfuls of stuff. I came home, helped me wrap it with twine, and then we took some quick pictures before we ate dinner. And that was really it. So to me, um, white daisies with, you know, yellow center is, it is a super cheap flower, yeah. but they really last a long time. Like they're really like... It may be cheap, but it's like somebody who's going to give you sunshine sure. for a long time. Sure. And so I always kind of like relate to that. Cool. Like, yeah. that's my flower. Like, I have a tattoo, a tiny little one. I'm not like you. Um, I mean, not that anything's bad. I would love oh, to be you like judging my, my dad. Me? Are you judging no, my, me? Okay. No, my dad would totally like disown me if I got another tattoo. But I told my husband yesterday, I said, one day I'll get another tattoo. But I guess it'll be after my dad dies. No. Which, well, you had to bring a conversation there, did you? All right. Well, no, you know, too. he knows about Jesus, too. That's so good. We're all right. Gonna, Living on. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I know that really, what was I thinking? All yeah. right. Sorry. It was the technology stuff in the beginning threw me off. Sure. Brian. That's all right. It's all good. We're going to make it work. I love that, that you'd use daisies because they're just this really fun, fresh, like unassuming, innocent kind of flower yeah. to me. I don't know what the other so. flowers are. They're basic, but I'll tell you what the thing where it's a win. And I feel like I can, I sleep better at night because of it is it works better for Chase as a total story. Um, I feel way happier about it. And um, yeah, the other band can watch their tires get slashed. Whatever. You would I, not I would. do that. No, totally no, no. too nice for that. Okay. So um, we have talked a little bit about relationships um, with other people, with mm-hmm. strangers at the Apple store. But one thing I think is another of your superpowers is your ability to, with other contractors or with bands or with um, managers, whoever, even client relationships, um, you have just such a rapport with people and you are able to gain their trust. And I know that, like, um, I think last week we were talking with, um, I think you came on during the Forefathers, I think. I was on for a hot minute and then I got about 400 client calls, yeah. So you were on for a hot minute and you talked about, some. um, somebody asked about, um, or maybe I don't remember when this was. Anyway, somebody said, oh, well, it's hard to stay in the music business. But actually, yeah. you've made this as a life and it hasn't been as hard for you. So it seems like you've somehow got something and you've able to hold on to it. Do you know what that I, is? It's really about relationships and uh, I, hopefully being a little talented. And 
you start I, if you do a few key projects for bands that other bands like, or I, a lot of it has to do with the fact that one of the first big packages I did for a major label was this band Manchester Orchestra. The record mean everything to nothing, and um, it was only, I only got the job because the guy who had done the art previously uh, had a little falling out with the band, and they just were like, "Hey, I just met this guy named Brian at a party. Maybe he can help us out." And so we went full force, but then what happened subsequently, this band has kind of created a subculture or a life all their own, or there's a fan base. It's like this Chase Hewland kid who was over yesterday. He's obsessed with this band and, uh, and there's a whole group of kids like him. So I do a lot of bands for that world. Um, but it's really about relationships and just trying to be as nice as humanly possible and as professional as humanly possible. Um, I don't know. I, I think there's a certain, hopefully I come across like, all right, this dude doesn't think he's so hot. He can make, he can figure everything out or he's so cool. But I, I always think uh, like when you go to a restaurant and there's those people who just treat servers like, like scumbags, uh, I, that stuff drives me insane. And I always try to be the guy who's trying to help treat the server like, hey, you're cool. Oh, there you go. There's so I can come back to my server analogy here in a second. So yeah, this record, if you, that's just some of the artwork from the internal part of it, but it's all pull apart Polaroid film that's then developed on paper. So it's a crazy thing. And all the, man, all the lettering and everything there was all woodblock letterpress type. So I think I set the whole record up like by hand pretty much. It couldn't have been wow. more time, time consuming, but I had a lot more time than I was new, just starting out. Um, but it's one of those deals where, uh, yeah, that was one of those packagings that, and those guys are great friends of mine. I'm going up to their studio tomorrow to hang out with uh, one of the guys in the band up there. And so it's cool that we've had these relationships that last forever. Um, but again, like going back to treating the server nicely, it's all you have to do is be nice. Like they're grinding it out too. Um, and there's right. just so, so many people that just don't uh, treat others like they want to be treated. And so mm -hmm. we forget that quickly. Like I go to meals with my folks now. Um, I still think they come from the old school mindset of like, you're here to serve me and I'm going to custom order off the menu and I'm going to do crazy stuff. And it's like, mom, would you want, if you were holding a little uh, waitress notepad or whatever, would you want them to just be like grinding you out like that? And it's like, you can't do that. And that's why I try to treat people that way too. And now that I started working in more in some restaurants in Atlanta uh, design with design stuff, I see what those guys go through and those guys work super hard. Um, and so you try to be as nice as humanly possible. I also think it's good to have a service industry job. Yeah. I actually think people who are better designers who work with clients are people who were successful in a um, either in a retail or a, a waiting tables industry, yeah. bartending, something like that, because you really have to be very that you have to be nice to get your money and but you have to be nice even if they aren't going to pay you. Yeah. And you can't keep tabs like, hey, they came in last week. They gave me $5 and it was like a $100 tab, you yeah. know, like you just have to keep loving on them, yeah. I think. so. Yeah, loving on people's key. Absolutely. So one thing, I, another thing I think is so great about you. Oh I just really love your work. Thank you. What? I said, oh, boy, here we go. Is that you are completely curious and you just like dig in and you're like, I'm going to try this. Yeah. I'm going to like it's like you, you love to play and it doesn't like, it stops me from doing work. So does that ever come across or you're like, Hey, I'm just going to try this. Like, it seems like you have this great kid inside you. I think that's part of it. I think it's, uh, never growing up a little bit of that is huge. Uh, 
always like loving technology and gear and just being curious about like what weird stuff like Shane was talking about earlier. I have this weird 360 camera that I bought just because I thought it'd be silly to take and you could there's an example of it on my website. It's the 360 of my office. So you can kind of interact with it and zoom in and stuff. And I bought it just because I had a client project it could sort of work for. Uh, they opened up a new barber shop and they wanted like interior like a 360 of their shop. And I'm like, this is a great excuse to buy a cool toy. But then it gives you a different perspective. Like Scotty always talks about with his perspective collective. Like it's all about seeing things from a different angle. And that's that kid component too. Um, back to photography, I, uh, I back there somewhere, I have like a twin lens, twin lens reflex Ooh. camera, like old Roliflex. And you look down, but then you see low. And uh, the photographer buddy here in town, uh, the old crazy Steve at the camera doctor here in Decatur, he's always like, this is the best camera because you see through the eyes of a child. I was like, that's insane. And that's how he always liked it. And if you look at photos taken on a twin lens reflex, you kind of get that lower perspective. It's a, you get to think differently. Because when you change your perspective, you think differently. Um, and the same thing is if you use different mediums or you use different tools, you think differently. If all you ever do all day is like, I'm opening up Illustrator and I'm going to doodle something. <laughs> I'm going to use my iPad. I'm going to doodle something. Or my Wacom tablet, I'm going to doodle something. It's just going to be more of you doodling. But if you're like, what if... I got out like watercolor paints and just started watercoloring this thing. And next thing you know, it looks cool. And hey, you got to experiment and have fun. Like with that Manchester Orchestra thing that's up now, they came to me with this idea of like just cool photos. I'm like, yeah, but everyone's done cool photos, interesting photos. And I just read about this process called like, uh, I don't know what it's officially called, but you would develop the Polaroid. You peel oh, it off peel it up real quick and smash it on the paper and roll it down and let it develop to the paper. And when you pull it up, it's real yucky and nasty and abstract, but it gives you a new way to kind of see a photo or think differently. Um, and just using different tools like that um, are really fun. And they help make things look dreamy or feel funky or feel unnatural because we're so used to seeing just clean digital images. Um, mm -hmm. When you see something that's analog, it throws you off a little bit and uh, makes you kind of lock in and look in. It's magical. It is all magic. I mean, I just did a packaging for a band called Real Friends, and it's pretty much just pictures of my living room because uh, that's kind of what they wanted. But I did it all through a Polaroid, all, all in Pol like an Impossible Project film or Polaroids. And mm. But what I would do is I have this way that I can take a Polaroid and or take a digital photo and put it on a Polaroid. And um, I would Photoshop an image and add lots of uh, extra frames on the wall of my living room. And then I made them all blank, and then I ran that and made a Polaroid of it. So it looks natural. It looks like someone walked in, snapped a picture. But yet there's that one thing that's really thrown off, which is a bunch of fr frames hanging on a wall that are empty. And they're yes. like, that's a cool idea. Boom, done. And it's like, I mean, it wasn't that simple because that stuff's this Polaroid stuff's expensive and takes forever. But um, I just like we're working with different tools. And also back to what we were talking about earlier about your weakness – Maybe I can't illustrate a ton, but I can hopefully noodle around and be kind of a micro expert in this weird, like, mm -hmm. new way of doing stuff and taking Polaroid pictures of people when they come to my office and stuff. So, yeah, I've got a whole – I just cataloged all my old Polaroids the other day, and it's been crazy. That's, that's a lot of work. It was. I, uh, I thought I was going to do a Polaroid a day for a year last year, and I started doing it, and then I realized come – I think it was around June, I would wake up and dread it, and it just became, like – because it's expensive and you had to then go do something fun and do something crazy. So I was like, I'm done with this. But I still shoot a ton and shoot pictures of my kids and for projects. So it's kind of cool. So, all right. I want to go. Can we go a little over? Cause go over. I got so time. Like, I got okay, a, sorry, everybody. All right. I've got a guy um, that might come over around four, but it's all good. 
Okay, well, we're going to go, we're, we'll kind of wrap it up and we'll just have to do a second, um, second one. Um, all right, so. Um, Shane, yes, blah. a little bit. Um, okay. Oh, I want to make sure I get to the images. Anyway, so, um, all right, how are you at client interactions? Because I also think this must be one of the keys for you to be able to keep in an industry that's hard to break into and hard to keep clients and then it's also you you have clients for long periods of time mm -hmm. um so it's be, you become family to them or you're you are their solution guy so how how do you give us some tips on that gosh i i it goes back to what we've been talking about this a lot i think this the theme that keeps coming back up is trying to be nice to people and treat them nicely and also but tell me what that is so tell so so dustin lee will be like well diane you have to explain it okay and not i think dustin's super nice sure. but he's like diane you're you need to like you yeah. have to explain it to some people so what is being nice being nice well yeah it doesn't being nice as alone doesn't pay the bills of course but um i think it's always about doing the right thing as often as you possibly can uh being nice is like just there's something that gets lost all the time when we email day in, day out with people. And it's just kind of like orders, orders, change this, change that. Like having just a little bit of whimsy and possibly uh, mm. being like more than just, hey, how's your, how's, your, how's your daughter? How's your son? Or how's this? Uh, those things I feel like go a long way to the right people. But over time, you kind of realize some people don't, don't really care. Like, how's your daughter? Good. Anyway, back to the changes we talked about. You're like, ah. You find those people and you nurture those relationships and maybe you invite them to your daughter's first birthday party or hang out, um, hang out outside of work and get to know someone. Uh, mm. That That's part of it to me. Also, too, learning when to kind of just go, hey, I'm going to do this on the free for you because we've worked together for a while or I know your budgets aren't super ginormous. Let's do something that we can that we can both be happy about, but just um, we can both be happy about what we can uh do, do it maybe cheaply or quickly or whatever, which I know the forefathers guys say you can't do it both ways, right? What cheap and fast or whatever that thing was. Good, fast and cheap. <laughs> Good, fast, cheap. Too. Yeah. So, uh, but sometimes you can do that if, if you've got a, a relationship with a buddy. Um, and I think that's just kind of nice. Like, I don't know. So it's about relationships, being nice, uh, trying to do the right thing, even though it's probably going to drive you a little bit more nuts. And maybe being authentic, like, Asking about them outside of work, not just their work yeah. life. Yeah, and not you're not going to be nice and the nice guy all the time. But like, if you can just have a genuine, if you genuinely seem you care. I respond best to people who genuinely like seemingly care about me. If they're looking at me for like something I can get or they can get from me, mm -hmm. that drives me crazy. But if we can uh, just see eye to eye, like again, going to a conference like Creative South, and I could be rubbing elbows with people who are the, the leaders of the of the industry and of the world i really don't care about really what they're doing as much as just how cool or nice of a person they are and that was actually something walking around creative south this year that it's like not to get spiritual i don't know if it was the voice of god or my brain or satan or what but in my head i just heard as i was walking over i just had this piece of like i don't care what you do i care about who you are um mm -hmm. and if that can hopefully if you i think if you focus that way um, not like, what can I get from you? How can I like ring out some more client work from you? Like just, Hey, let it come to you. And hopefully that's been my approach and where hopefully people see that and go, Hey, this guy's hopefully honest. I think as running a business, people always think you're trying to hijack them. 
and are trying to uh, like pilfer money from them. If you can work around that and help them feel comfortable with that as they write you big checks, that's good. Well, and I, I think you get on their team and you yeah. – no holes barred. Like we're going to make this dream happen. And I feel like that's what we are as designers. We're dream makers. Yep. And because somebody has this idea of an album or somebody has an idea of a business and they need somebody. And at some point, Coca-Cola was just an, a dream, an idea. You know, while Disney was an idea, it was just something, but somebody had to make it happen. And somebody had to do kind of the legwork. And Johnny said earlier, you know, like people just think we goof off on our computers yeah. all day. And, you know, we do get to play, but there is a lot of thought that goes into what we're doing because we are trying to communicate because it is something that you you have to, to do for that person. And we understand yeah. that. We're kind of like the designer behind the – or the magician behind the curtain. Yeah. We don't get seen a lot, right? Yeah. So – I, this is one question I wanted to ask you that, and we'll end with. We this got time. One. We so, got some time. We can do a little bit as long as everyone okay. else wants to hang out. So about so this to me is another thing that you've done really well, and I would love to know how to do this and what to do. So how do you go from being like an independent contractor for a label or a band or a company to yeah. being a designer on retainer? Yeah, it's a tough one. I don't have a I don't have a ton of retainer work, but I have enough that I feel like whoa, holy cow, I have retainer work. But how do you, how do you yeah, get your how do, first one? What it does, you have to prove yourself. And in, in both cases, for me, the big two ones I'm thinking of right now, you have to prove yourself. And for a couple of years, in my case, you had to hammer it out and you had to prove that you could do it and you were trustworthy. Because no one wants to just go, here's a giant chunk of change. Like, I'll trust you forever. But you have to earn their trust. And then you have to do killer work. And you have to be on time. You have to deliver. We have to deliver. You have to answer the phone. You have to answer the phone. Um, but the, And again, gosh, it sounds like I just keep saying the same thing, but it's about relationship. And, and a little bit like lo with loyalty, like my buddy Kevin, who brought me on board his, he's like a celebrity chef guy. And he brought me on board his restaurant group to pretty much be the creative director because we just had for about a year, we did some like project work, one-off stuff and just hit it off. I think we maybe did project work piece by piece for a couple of years. And then finally last year, I was like, dude, let's just, let's do more cool stuff together. Like, I'll give you more time in the process. You give me a few more nickels. We'll make it work. And, um, but like he trusts me and I trust him. We're both loyal to each other. I probably work harder for him than I do mm -hmm. for most people because I like him. I like the people that are at the restaurant and stuff. Um, and we, uh, yeah, we just, it's, it's a good rapport. But as far as how to take it that level, it's kind of like asking a girl out on a date. Like you just have to kind of go, are we ready for this yet? Do we, does this need to go here? You know, and you kind of have to just, in my opinion, you have to approach it that way. Because piecemealing things hour by hour can just get cumbersome if there's a big chunk of work. Absolutely. But so how do you have that first conversation or how do you change somebody who you've had for 10 years and say, hey, let's do retainer? Um, because if you're already doing a lot of that work and it's just piecemeal, it would be better for them because then they're just getting these big chunks of bills, yeah. I guess. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, I'm asking for myself. <laughs> well, honestly, I don't have a couple, but also you have to consider you're doing them a favor by helping them estimate their billing. And mm. if they feel there's a value in, instead of it being like this all the time, like up and down, up and down, it's just like this. We know where the money's going. And in a, in a restaurant where like there's budgets uh, that just are crazy and all over the place, there's one thing that's consistent. Like you're paying me X a month and that's, that's where we're going to be. Um, 
And it's, I have a little caveat. It's like, if it gets super insane, like all of a sudden you're like, dude, can you do me like 400 logos by Tuesday? Like we have to talk about how much that's going to cost, like a bazillion dollars. But do you talk about how many hours a week or hours a month that you're putting in for that rate? They want to feel like, again, it's only a couple, couple of different clients of mine, but they want to feel like they get, that you're going to be available, that you're priority on the list and that you're going to be around when they need to run something past you. And you have to kind of communicate like that's, you're going to get 15, 20 hours a month from me or whatever the number is. And um, like, I'll be there when you call and like other people, other clients have to realize they got to kind of drop down a few clicks to crank on your work. And if you, and you, it's just about setting expectations. And if you know that client well enough and you've been working with them long enough, you know, that communication style, uh, you just approach that and say, here's where, and you write it out super duper clear and say, here's what I think we should do. And if they're any good, they'll look at it and go, how about we tweak this? Because hopefully they feel like, it's a negotiation a little bit like, Hey, we can work out a deal. Cause I approached uh, a client of mine with an idea and they're like, that thing's not going to work. And so we had to go back and hammer it back out. Um, but when we, when we did, everyone was happy with it and everyone was cool with it. So John just said yeah. a, a black airplane, John Howard. Um, he has another great um, listen from creative South podcast. Um, but he said, we also give him a discount. So say your hourly rate is, uh, $100 an hour and then do you go down to 90 or 75 or something just for signing and then they always get is that at 20 hours you're giving them 20 hours at that rate or do you I mean is it some other kind of math whiz thing I, that I don't I know think about? it's one of those deals where it has to make sense to you and you everyone has to be comfortable with like how you're going to do it because if you're taking on if you're giving them they'll say 20 hours a month and you just know you don't have that time like you're, you're going to make everyone really really mad um, you just have to figure out like how your relationship has gone in the past. Look back at your old invoices, how timing worked out for things. And you have to do a lot of homework on the front end to go, all right, the past two years of this client, we've kind of done it this way. Let's make it better, give them a value add. And like what Johnny just said, like access and focus, like you kind of pitch to them, like, look, you're going to get my full attention. And like, I pick up the phone every time, even if I'm in another meeting. Um, and so it's that value add thing. Like when you're watching an infomercial, like if you call now, I'll send you two ShamWows. And that's kind of the deal. And that's kind of the little deal with that. Well, I guess I feel like when you're doing this, like I, I think a good time would be when they're about to start a new project yeah. and say, or it could be you have an idea to help their business. And I feel like that's when, again, they feel like you're a team player. So I've done this before, but I just haven't ever asked for a retainer. And so then they get, because it's a big bill or something, they're like, oh, yeah. you know, I didn't know it was going to cost this much. And so I still give them a discount, yeah. but I'm like, well, you know, that's how much this costs. This kind of interacting like this and me doing this kind of marketing plan and, and setting the stage for these, you know, to hit these marks because I want to see your business succeed. It would, you know, be better if I was on retainer. And I guess it is just really making it so that they get more value because you're there in their full, all feet. Yeah. You're not kind of running from place to place, but how many retainer clients could one person, cause you're a one man shop. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that's a, that's probably a Johnny question. Cause I feel like I've got a two or three and I feel like any more than that, I might go crazy because and as an independent contractor, you always have uh, you always have like you're spinning thirty plates at a time. You've got just all these clients. So I always say I can never go on vacation because I have like ten bosses right now who all want me doing different things at different hours and different times. And there's different communication styles and different expectations. So you find the ones that are killer, and then you really focus on those. Or you find the biggest client or the one that biggest meaning 
the scope of their project is so huge and start there and go, hey, I think I can add the value here. So I think the key is you start with one and then really work your way towards more if you have to. But it's like wading out into the ocean, like step at a time. Don't just dive head first. And I think getting a mentor to kind of coach you through some of that might be helpful yeah, as well. Yeah, totally. And but I, I I lucked onto I lucked into it rather when it was kind of part of it was brought to me on one case. The other part was like, I'm really invested here and I think this would be better for you and everybody. And I'll and I, and I feel like I, they're working me harder than um, than we agreed to initially. But I like it. Like I feel like I'm I'm personally invested. I want to be a part of every micro visual decision they're doing um, because I care about where the company and the brand and everything's going. So, like with Kevin mm -hmm. and as your creative director, are you doing all the design work, or do you have some other designers under you? Well, they have a staff guy who does uh, some web stuff and. He knows how to noodle around a little bit with uh, with the web with with Photoshop and things like that, and so I'll send him some ideas. And he'll rework it. We also it's it's every place is different. They uh, Kevin is Kevin and his restaurant group has like a PR company as well, and they can handle some stuff. And so instead of me resizing something four hundred different ways, I create the base creative, and then someone else does the the smaller stuff or social or whatever the case may be. And it's like the Shaky Knees and the Shaky Beats Music Festival, same thing. There's a big staff of people. I'm doing a big chunk of it and I'm doing the heavy, heavy creative. And there's someone else uh, out of my office that I sort of direct and we, we get on base camp and I kind of tweak a little bit, but um, that's kind of where that goes. I just kind of manage them from a distance. So I should have brought this up earlier yeah. and I know we're about out of time. Oh, good. So you also can, you have this kind of side side business oh, yeah. that you make this kind of like, um, you made a poster and then you put the poster kind of on coffee mugs and a couple other options. I, you know, here's the thing as if you're busy at your job uh, and you're doing other people's work, I feel like you barely have good, uh, barely time for your own stuff. Like the cobbler's wife never has new shoes kind of deal where uh, for your own self, like even my daughter recently, her birthday invitation went out and I wanted it to look killer, but I didn't have time to make it look killer. Even though it's a silly little Evite thing, like dad's a designer, I got to make it cool. Um, so I really get it's a chance. pressure. It is super pressure. Yeah. But when, when you have a weird idea when you're riding a bike or a weird idea when you're doing something and you're like, you have enough time to carve it out. That's where this came from. The I like my coffee, like my metal black. I've been listening to a lot of black metal lately at the time when I created that. And I was just like, this would be a silly poster. Cause I was doing posters with my buddy. And then another friend says, hey, dum-dum, how come you didn't put it on a coffee mug? And then when I did, it got picked up on some social media stuff, and all of a sudden I was just grinding through mugs. Like behind me right now, there's a bunch of them back there somewhere. But anyway, uh, and that's just something I do for fun. And after Creative South this year, what stinks, I brought like three cases of these Creative South to hand out, and I gave out none of them because, <laughs> first off, carrying around a ceramic mug, not fun. B, uh, I just left them in my car, and they stayed there. But at Creative South, I realized there's a lot of cool artists who find extra time to, all right, John, then I'll send you one, bro. But that's it. One for the three of us. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I digress. But um, yeah, so I, 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 after Creative South, I realized I really need to do more of this kind of stuff. A, I'm most excited about it. It's the most personal. Mm -hmm. Then I see a dude like Raji, who, Raji King, who created those cool Star Wars deals. Like... I think this thing is the coolest. Well, if I can make it work. Yeah. Ah. Uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. And he had, he had buttons of it at Creative South. I'm like, I want to do that. And it's just passive income. And I know that's a big discussion at, at conferences and for other designers. Like, 
A, you can make some extra scratch. B, you're also doing what you care about. Like, being a big metalhead, all I do is design these emo and pop and garbage album covers for terrible bands sometimes, and I never do metal stuff. And so I'm like, I need to find more of a edgier uh, outlet or something. And that's kind of where this comes from. You know, I didn't even know metal came in other colors. Black. Oh. Like you said, black metal. Oh, like, we should I don't do a know. whole discussion about black metal. Like, I'm so in the dark on that. No pun so. intended, huh? huh? I know, really. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, I didn't even realize I said that. No. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of metal out there. We could, there's a but documentary you, also, you should watch. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. Well, I like documentaries. Okay. Um, you'll have to send it to me. I will. So, okay. So then you also do this and this is, t please come up. It's the, What's um, that? it's the monster poster. Oh, Oh, there it comes. It's coming. It's coming. This was like, this is one of those things where this probably I should have thrown this up earlier, but this was 2006 when I was doing youth ministry. This is the kind of stuff I was doing for like church concert stuff. And that this is like the moment I realized, oh, this is fun. And I can actually goof around with this stuff. And this is before I ever thought like this would be fun. This would be crazy. Like, this would be a job. This is kind of where that came from. That just came out of my office, and we had a rock show at our church, and that's what that was. But, yeah, I brought, I posted a few of these other images that were just old ministry stuff I used to do where I would, like, this one I'd doodle out or whatnot. But then there's, like, the fan. I don't know if you need the one that's like, it says all-nighter. It's just, like, found art junk, and I would put these collages together. I think it says ministry flyer or something. Oh, but, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. It was just, sorry. I, that's how I started when it, I got one of them. Reminded me of like Max, this one reminded me of my Max Headroom. I don't, you're about my, I, age. Remember Max Headroom, I mean, yeah. I think I'm older than you, but oh, boogers, how come it won't go in? Oh, there it goes. I mean, it did kind of, right? Yeah, that was just, I'm again, I didn't consider myself an artist, I was just collaging and grabbing and doing stuff. But again, you got to be careful. Then sometimes that stuff takes root. Next thing you know, you're standing here talking to you. You're standing I'm this just, whole time. I'm, I'm sitting. Sorry, sitting. no. But I'm it's just... one of those deals. Or this is what, to, back to earlier. I was doing this while working with high school kids and dealing with their crazy parents. And so, yeah, that's where that comes from. I it's love it though, and stuff. I. But I love. Um, so one of the ones I I was gonna I just didn't have time. But this is what I wanted to do. Okay. Like your head with your beard. Um, all like um, kind of like that woman with the Saturday whatever you wrote on her face. Oh yeah, but your head. So you know how you have she has like a bouffant. Yes, and yours would be your beard. Okay. And I was like, oh, and it would be like Brian Manley in that same typeface. I was like, oh, I could totally. I guess trying to draw it out. That. No, I know. well maybe I'll still next do time. it. Who There's knows? always next time. <laughs> yeah, because we have to do a part two because we right. have too many problems. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's okay. So one last, a couple, of right, two last pictures you sent. So your beautiful little girl. Oh yeah, that's I'll post that in the gallery because that's the reason I do everything. Really, it's all about just busting hump. So like, ever since she was born three years ago, just so I could pay bills to have her do cool stuff. Um, and it's also an example like I can buy really fun camera gear as a business mm -hmm. expense and take cool pictures like this. Yeah, so, and yeah. that's a beautiful. So, did you tell her? Look down. No, she's no. She, I was testing out a brand new camera lens as an old analog Voigtlander lens, so it's fully manual. And I was just, um, I was just. She walked right in. I was like, "Hey, Eleanor, look at me." And of course, she doesn't listen to me. She looked right down, and I went pop pop, and that was it. <laughs> yeah. So, what type of camera? So Shane says, "I want to 
come you need to come take pictures of my deal i'll be up there soon uh what type of camera it's a sony a7r2 it's a mirrorless i know sony has they know how to like name their cameras really well sony a7r2 and that was with like an old analog uh old voigtlander for a leica so i love throwing like old camera lenses on these new digital bodies because you kind of get that romance of the old way of doing it but mm. you still have you like 40 this is a 45 megapixel camera where you can like just get crazy good detail well and she definitely has some um of her her own personality she's like she's got her camera i that was, think yeah, that's hers that's, not yours that would be hers and that's how she yeah i take so many pictures of her she ends up uh walking around being like look daddy i'm taking a picture she will grab anything that's rectangular and just be like hey i'm taking a picture like of this? you daddy. yes exactly yeah. that's what she does i'm thinking okay cool maybe she, she'll understand maybe this is where she wants to go i don't know so you've got a friend coming, so I got to let you go. But thank you so much for being on. Thanks for and having me. So I'm a, I want to make sure that everybody knows how to um, get in touch with you. So you can find Brian at funwithrobots.com. And then you can also connect with him on Twitter. He's on Twitter, Instagram, and Flickr at Brian Manley. But I'm going to actually put the links in right here so you can actually go ahead and follow him on those Love you too, channels. buddy. And then... <laughs> Um, you could also, if you really want that mug, no oh boy, because he said he wanted to get some uh, going. You can actually go to fwrshop um, dot com, and it's I. What does that stand for? Fun with robots shop. Oh, fun with robot shop. I'm the dumb dumb who named his business Fun with Robots uh, back in the mid two thousands, thinking that's clever, and I don't like it, but it works. Oh, I love robots. And you said it was a band name. I think it's terrific. It was, yeah. When I was in college, I used to do it. Uh, I, I made crappy dance music, electronic music. Yeah, not good. <laughs> it's better than any music I made. Uh, so any, anyway, I'm really thankful. I'm really glad I, I know you, and I'm glad I got to talk to you last week and this week. And thanks for being so flexible, and I'm sorry. And thanks, guys, for hanging out thank for you, a little everybody. bit longer than normal. Sorry about that. Um, we'll make it work again. No problem. We will definitely get the rest of the questions answered next time. So next week I have Brooke Shear on. She's going to be talking about her whirlwind adventure in Switzerland to um, the Basel something. So a whole bunch of design history. And so total geeky going um, Germany and um and Switzerland. So the Swiss, a lot of Swiss design. So she's going to share a lot of pictures, total geek out. She's on a big grid. She's in some museums and going to give us a little design history. Wow. She's also an educator and she also goes to creative South and she saw you speak. Um, whenever you spoke, can't remember what year, two years last ago. year, two years. Yeah. Two years, two years ago. ago. Yep. She was there then. Oh, she, cool. Then she didn't come anyway. So, but she was back this year. So she's awesome. And I can't wait to have her on. So next week, if you want to get in touch with me, maybe you just want to tell me that um, somebody who you think should be on the show, um, just send me an email to Diane at recharging you.com. And that's Y O U not like you for university or I don't know what another word that starts with a U. I'm terrible at that. Anyway, Brian, you really inspire me. So thank oh, you so thank much you. and have fun. Have fun with your friend or Hello. your client it's, or whoever. It's client work. Yay. Client work. Yay, pay bills. That's true. All right. And I'll see you guys next week. Thanks you. Thank you, Brian.